Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Marriage Martinis. I'm Danielle. Adam is not here for me during the introduction, but he was here during this episode. And I was really happy about that because this topic is one that really affects us also. We talked to Vanessa and Xander Marin, who are, well, Vanessa is a licensed sex therapist and psychotherapist with 20 years of experience in the sex therapy field. And Xander, her husband, is what he refers to himself as just a regular dude who's been married to a sex therapist for over a decade. And the two of them together uh, are running this, this business to help take the intimidation out of getting intimate. So talking to them was really awesome because... First of all, they're a married couple who work together, just like Adam and I. So that was kind of cool. And also, rarely do we get to talk to other couples who are as open about sex as we are. And they blow us away when it comes to their openness, which is amazing. And we had some questions that I know are relatable for all of you, but that really affect us because communication about sex is just hard. I think we don't grow up learning about it in a way that's comfortable. So I think that really affects us and how we communicate about intimacy and sex kind of for the rest of our lives. Um, And I know now I think it's getting a little bit better, but it still is hard. So this was an awesome episode. We talk about everything from faking orgasms to first time orgasms to dirty talk in the bedroom and why it's so hard for so many of us Um, to Vanessa and Xander talk a little bit about um, personal stuff for them. Even we go into about their uh, decision to not have kids and and how that sort of has affected them. Um, And they really are doing an amazing job talking about that and, you know, normalizing that having a family doesn't mean that you have to have kids you're still a family. So there was so much interesting stuff. They were so open with us. They're great. Go check it out. They have a podcast now. Their Instagram is fantastic. Um, And I will put all of those links and everything in my stories and also in uh, the description of our episode. Also, if you could take a few moments and rate and review our podcast. It's been a while since we've asked and um, it really does help us. So if you could just take a minute and even just leave us a five-star rating if you're really enjoying it or drop some really nice comments, that would be super awesome. So please enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're really excited. Yeah, we are too. 
Very rarely do we get to talk to another couple that is as open as sex as we are. And I would say that you guys like blow us in the dust. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> are we even really that open about sex? I mean, we say things, but I don't think we're out there. Yeah, maybe we're just more crude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saying things is a is a pretty good first step. That, that puts you further ahead than most people. Okay. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I want to talk a little bit first about, so Vanessa, you started as a sex therapist. You mm -hmm. went to school for it. You were like full into it. And oh, I know yeah. Xander, you are not like a certified sex therapist. You're like, quote unquote, the regular dude is what you call yourself who brings <laughs> yeah. a different element. That's the official title. <laughs> the official title, regular dude. Yeah. But can you, first I want to hear Vanessa, like, when did you decide you were going to be a sex therapist and go to school for this? Um, and, you know, how did it evolve into this business? And then I would love to hear Xander, how you were like, I'm going to quit my job and talk about sex all day now. Yeah. So for me, it really traces back to my parents attempt at trying to give the talk. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had the talk yet. Or with our about kids with, or with each other? With, each, <laughs> with your kids. <laughs> Uh, you know, like it, here and there, not, not, we haven't actually sat down. Yeah, and there's done, been like, no formal, like, let's sit down and no, have the talk. No, but we're very open. So, yeah. So I do recommend the here and there kind of conversation versus the like, let's sit down and hash it all out. So my version of it with my parents was basically being trapped in our minivan, driving home from my grandma's house from dinner. And my parents saying like, if you have any questions about you can ask us. And it was really clear to me, despite only being, I think, 11 or 12 at the time, you know, they were saying you can ask us questions, but I knew that what they were actually saying was, please, for the love of God, don't ask us anything. We don't want to talk about this. Um, and I remember that moment just feeling like, why is this so embarrassing? I actually do have a lot of questions. I'm very curious about this. They're like, some things that I want to check out that I'm not sure about. Um, and so I remember just feeling really disappointed in that moment and just wondering why is it so hard to talk about? So I had no idea at that point in time that I could make a career out of this, but I just kept coming back to that moment. And yeah, once I got a little bit older, a little more mature, I realized, you know, I want to help people have these kinds of conversations about sex and realize that it doesn't have to be so embarrassing and so shameful. Yeah. Were you the type of kid, like, were you curious about sex, even though it was kind of hard to talk to your parents about? Like, when I was a kid, I remember watching, like, the scene in Flash. There's, like, a scene in Flash Dance where she's naked and stuff, and I watched it over and over and over again. And I remember there was a movie called Blame It on Rio that my my brother was watching one time, and I there's a sex scene, and I remember rewinding it, like, 17 times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> were you, like a, a, like, a sexually curious kid? For sure. Yeah, definitely a, a really pivotal moment in my childhood was when the college kids next door moved out and they left a stack, uh, probably about as tall as I was, of Cosmo magazines next to the recycling down in the front. And I saw those on my way back from school and I just knew like, these magazines are gold. And so I, I think over the course of the whole afternoon, like very slowly squirreled them into my room and went through every single one. Like I was so fascinated about 
about, you know, all the sex tips now looking back, I'm like horrified that that was my main <laughs> sex education, but I was fascinated by it and just, you know, wanted to read everything I could. And yeah, very curious, actually like right around when my parents had tried to have the talk, I had just made a bet on the playground with my friend over how many holes a woman had down there. I lost the bet. <laughs> I really needed to have that conversation with my parents. How so, many yeah, holes did you guess? <laughs> I bet two holes okay. and my friend who was a guy, but he said, he's like, no, there's three. There's a separate pee hole. And I was like, you're crazy. There's only two. So I could have, yeah, I could have had a whole dollar. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And what about you growing up, Xander? Was it like, were you, were you, was your family open about sex? Is this something that comes naturally to you? Um, I would, no, not, not so natural. My, my family was fairly open, but Similar to Vanessa, like I didn't, I didn't have a particularly uh, broad sex talk. I, I think I had like one or two very quick talks with my dad. I don't think my mom was involved. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it just kind of, I remember hearing more like personal stories from my dad rather than information for me. And I was, you know, at like 12 or 13, I was like, I don't want to know anything about you, dad. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that, that was that for me, but you know, when I met Vanessa, I was 22 when we met and, um, you know, she was telling me that she wants to be a sex therapist and I thought that was just so cool. So for me early on, I was just like, this is really cool. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to tell my friends about like, oh, I'm dating a sex therapist. Cause that, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Right. Totally. But yeah, I never thought that I would be involved in this. Um, I, I was, at the time I was kind of in the consulting world and then I got a job working at Google for a while and I was like very much doing that corporate tech thing. And I was watching Vanessa start to build out her online business. And I started to get really jealous of like the kind of solopreneur type of life that she had. Like she could work from anywhere in the world. She could choose her own hours. She had like passive income coming in. And I was like, this is not fair. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, <laughs> I, I want to totally be doing that. <laughs> I completely understand. Same yeah, I, yeah. So I never actually imagined that I would be working with her. I quit my job and we moved. Um, we moved to Europe, and um, I was kind of slowly figuring it out. And eventually, Vanessa was like, "Hey, could you help me with like some marketing automation and maybe a couple of spreadsheets and stuff?" And I was like, "Sure, I can do that." And slowly but surely, I just kind of worked my way. And I was initially more doing all of our backend operational stuff, and then. And at this point, we have a whole team and I have moved into, you know, the content role with Vanessa. But for a long time, I just felt like, you know, I'm not a professional at this. I don't have anything to offer people. But eventually I started realizing, like, just by being a regular person, I do have a lot to offer because, like, we can talk about this type of stuff from both the per like the professional perspective, but also the, the couple, like, everyday person perspective. So, um, yeah, at this point, it's really fun doing what I do, even <laughs> though I never imagined I'd be doing this. This sounds so familiar, by the way. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> it's just being, like, you know, myself, just the everyday, every, you know, normal guy, nothing special to talk about here on the podcast, but we decided to do this thing. I'm no expert in anything we discuss. It's just our, you know, conversations that we're having, but I feel like that just, you know, every dude, like every other guy, you know, but that's, what's so important about what you, 
you guys, you men, are doing because there are, you know, there are so many. Yeah, there's more of us than there are of them. How about that? Well, there are so many men who are out there who won't talk about things and everything. So seeing you talk so freely about it is just such an amazing, amazing thing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually funny. I was just, I was just, when you were talking about having to sit down with your dad, um, same thing with me. I was thinking back to that real quick. And because it was my dad, he sat me down. And as soon as he sat me, he sat me down. I said, "Too late, Dad." And it's, all of a sudden, <laughs> that conversation quickly turned into. This was early '90s, by the way, so right after the '80s. This quickly turned into the AIDS talk, pregnancy talk, mm-hmm. as opposed to the sex talk. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a like a funny little situation. I'd be like, "No, I'm sorry." <laughs> I mean, really? if, unless you got any tips for me, that's you got nothing else. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, I think it's really valuable that you guys, you know, the two of you guys are, I think being an example for men that it's okay to talk about this kind of stuff. I think it's shockingly rare that we have these kinds of open conversations and seeing men participating in these open conversations. And I I think it just really gives permission to other men out there who, you know, maybe in other ways would feel like it's just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not supposed to have those kinds of conversations. I'm not supposed to go there and, you know, be that vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And that is sort of what you're what what Adam was saying, you know, about that is sort of the way so many of us grew up learning about sex, right? Don't get pregnant, don't get an STD, you know, make sure you wear a condom, don't like that was the extent of it. It's all fear based sex education. So so many of us as adults, uh, you know, probably feel like I never really learned anything. Mm-hmm. Well, is it possible because you know we had sex ed when we were kids in school. I don't know how far that goes back. Was that around before our generation? Like maybe our parents just thought we were getting that sex education in school and then they were there to really teach us how to be safe. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Is is that a possibility? Yeah, I mean, sex education hasn't been around that long, but I mean, I think we've just had, you know, centuries of not really wanting to talk openly about right. sex at all. So, I mean, we've we've come a long way and we still have such a long way to go though. Right. Definitely. And that sort of is affecting our sex lives so much, too. Can you talk a little bit about like the purity culture and sex Mm -hmm. and how that's affecting us? Because I really think that affects so many of us more than we even realize it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think at a most basic level, most of us are taught only a fear based approach to sex, like exactly like you were saying, you know, what to avoid, but nothing about how to enjoy ourselves, how to do it in a way that feels, you know, safe, respectful of ourselves, nothing really. Um, But we just did an episode a few weeks ago about purity culture in particular, um, which really teaches that your, your sexual um, activity is kind of tied into basically your worthiness as a human being and that to and have especially sex, as a woman, yeah, especially as a woman to have sex before marriage um, would make you unpure, unwanted, undesirable. Um, and a lot of purity culture teaches women that they are kind of responsible for being the gatekeepers. So some of the more extreme versions of it will say, you know, women have to really be careful about what they're wearing because they could incite male desire or just even that like us existing and having like a body that has parts that a man might be attracted to is like sinful in and of itself. So we did that episode and we got just some really powerful stories from our community about ways that they were just taught to feel so terribly about sex. I mean, there are a lot of um, 
a lot of weird like this, uh, exhibitions that they do about like, you know, taking a rose and they pull off the petal, all the petals off and say, you know, who wants this rose or making this beautiful cake and then they pour dirt on it, you know, like different, um, the religious educators and stuff like yeah, different, that. Different so, metaphors. Yeah, for, metaphors. <laughs> for what it's like if you- Why, if you why buy sex. the cow when you can get the milk for free? And yeah, and I think, I think, you know, one of the most harmful aspects of purity culture, any sort of negative teaching about sex is that a lot of times there are these rules and then people will say you know hey I followed the rules like I waited until I was married to have sex but then I realize I can't just like flip a switch like that and all of a sudden I go from my entire life being taught that sex is sinful and harmful and evil and dangerous into oh now I want it all the time and I love it and I enjoy it and I'm uninhibited and I know what I want and I love my body like you can't make that switch even if you've been a you know a good girl or a good boy and followed the rules so I think that's what ends up really being so harmful for us yeah and also with all of that kind of fear-based stuff of course there no one teaches you okay so what do you do if you break one of the rules or like you know, what do you do if you get an STD? What do you do if you don't wear a condom one time? Like if, if basically it's like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do that. If you break any of those, no one knows what to do. And then they just feel horribly mm -hmm. about themselves. And so, yeah, that's, I, I think it's not a very good, not a very good uh, uh, benchmark for sex, sex education. Yeah, absolutely. Trust me, it's taken Adam and I years to be able to open up communication about sex in the bedroom and intimacy, and we know how difficult it can be to have that open, honest conversation about sex. That's why in our Date Night Question ebook, we've created questions and activities to do together to make opening up the communication about your needs and desires just feel so natural. The ebook covers libido, trying new things in the bedroom, and of course, our comprehensive famous yes, no, maybe checklist so you can both find out one another's desires without it being awkward and uncomfortable. Head to marriageandmartinis.com slash DNQ and get our biggest discount, 20% off, when you put it in the code MNMPODCAST. That's marriageandmartinis.com slash DNQ and put in code MNMPODCAST for our biggest discount only for our podcast listeners. Go and check it out. There are 12 topics. We cover everything, but especially those hard conversations about sex. Um, and now you guys have this podcast and this business together and everything, and you're working together, which we can relate to also. Um, yeah. So I wanted to know, first of all, um, one of the things I know that you talk about a lot on your Instagram and on your podcast is about uh, talking about sex. Just basically like it sounds so simple, but it is so complicated. Can you talk us through a little bit of the basics of how to get that conversation started? Because I think people are petrified to bring that up. Yeah, we have talked to so many people who will say, you know, we've been together for 10, 20, 30 years, and we've never had an honest or open conversation about sex. I mean, it's a really difficult thing for so many people to do. But, you know, how can we have something that feels really enjoyable and passionate and satisfying if we can't even talk about it? So we're really big on helping couples start to talk about sex. We like to say, like, that's the best thing that you can do for your sex life. You don't even have to take your clothes off. 
for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course there's so many different nuances of like, you know, what to talk about and when and how, but the bottom line for people is like just to get started. So we like to start with people like you know, take the most baby of baby steps that you need to take. So for a lot of people, it's really just starting on their own. So many of us, we struggle to say words like penis, vagina, you know, orgasm out loud. And so you can start on your own, just like saying those words, literally repeating those words out loud to yourself. You can look at yourself in a mirror as you do it. But for a lot of people, like they even just need that practice of getting started on their own, feeling more comfortable saying those sorts of words. I think another challenge with it is that people, when you haven't talked about sex at all, typically what happens is maybe you start thinking like, oh, there's there's things that I wish I was getting or there's things I'm not liking, but I am too scared to talk about it. And so you don't talk about it and don't talk about it and don't talk about it. And you wait so long that like by the time you finally do talk about it, you have like a whole list of complaints and the conversation goes super negative really mm-hmm. quick. Or you just think, well, the only, if we're talking about sex, it's going to be this really extreme thing. Like I want to ask for something really kinky or something like really extreme when in reality, like there's all kinds of baby steps that you can be taking along the way. Like it could just be as simple as like, Oh, like what are, what's your favorite sexual memory with me or reminiscing about, you know, experiences that you really liked or what it was like early on in your relationship or even talking about it abstractly. Like, you know, like we talk about stuff in our Instagram stories that don't have to do with most people. But like, if, if a couple watches that story, they can just talk about it. It's not about them. It's just about like, what would you tell someone if they came to you with this issue? And that can be a really easy, low pressure way to get started. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people get it in their heads that if they start talking about sex, they have to give their laundry list of complaints and they have to start like making specific requests. And we say it's it's just so much easier to start talking about it generally. And so talking about it in a positive way, like Xander was saying, like talking about great memories that you guys have had, giving each other compliments, but you just want to get more comfortable with it as a topic of conversation. So don't try to have any goal-oriented conversations initially, just start talking about it more generally. And that will make it feel so much easier and more open. And then we'll give you the momentum to eventually at some point, you can start talking more about like feedback and requests and that kind of stuff, but you don't have to jump into that right away. Right. I always think too, that if you're, if we're not communicating about sex, and I feel like so many of us have been there, but People always think, oh, you know, my partner doesn't want sex or their libido's low or, but I think the truth is that if there, if something is happening in the bedroom that you don't like and you're too scared to tell your partner, then you're just going to avoid sex altogether. And how often does that happen where it's like, well, I don't want to tell him or her that I don't like this. So I'm just not going to do it. And so I just don't want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk a lot about the connection between our desire for sex and our enjoyment of sex. So the number one thing that people will come to us with is like, I don't want sex. I have no sex drive. You know, what happened to mm-hmm. me? How do I get it back? I'm broken. And so we'll ask them like, okay, tell us about, you know, the last time you had sex. Tell us about like, how much enjoyment do you get out of sex? And they'll say like, well, you know, not really any like it doesn't feel like there's anything in it for me. I don't like the way my partner does this thing. You know, it's very quick. I always, it's always the exact same thing over and over again. And so we're like, okay, so if it's not an enjoyable experience for you, 
why would you crave it? Like that would, that makes no sense. But I think so many of us just don't make that connection in our heads until it's like really spelled out very clearly like that. Right. I also wanted to ask, um, we talk about this and I was actually listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast this week and they were talking, uh, she and Abby Wambach were talking about this also about talking in the bedroom and dirty talk and everything and how it's so hard for so many of us. I, this is not a therapy session for you, Danielle. No. So this is not free <laughs> advice coming from... I know. Do we need some dirty talk coaching? <laughs> well, no, she, this for, guy over here does. Forever. <laughs> she. That's the one thing that she's always been talking, you know, talking to me. She wants more from me. She wants me to get involved with. And I just don't feel comfortable doing and it. And I think that's so common. That's and, not just but you. I, but it's not just, I, it's like I feel silly. I feel dumb. I feel like I, I don't even know what to say. I feel like I, you know, I'd sound like an idiot, whatever I was saying. Like right. I just have no, I barely have an interest in it, number one. But if I did, I, I would just feel so, silly is the word. Like, Glennon Doyle's like, I don't even have the language. She's like, I know four phrases faster harder <laughs> she's like i don't even know what to say she's like what do you even th- we're not taught phrases she's like i'm not i don't have like a whole uh-huh. booklet of you know of ideas of how to talk dirty it's either like that feels good or ooh or- but, but i do have to say there's more talking than just talking dirty and I think I've gotten more comfortable with that. I'm more vocal than I've ever been. Just making sure Danielle is feeling good or likes what I just did or what I'm doing or she'll tell me. Oh yeah, our I'll... communication is so different. So the communicate. So but but I but the dirty talk is where I just bail out. Yeah, even if we're like at a hotel. I mean, I understand at home we have three <laughs> kids around and two of them are teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't want to hear dad from the other room. No, (laughs) God, no. I mean, but do you find that, is that common? Oh yeah. It's so common. And again, like it's, it's another issue of like extremes. A lot of people hear like, oh, my partner wants me to dirty talk. And they think like, I have to be like a porn star, like just saying all this wild, super kinky over the top stuff. Um, But I'm curious for you, Adam, like, is it, is it more of just a lack of enjoyment out of it? Like, this is just not my thing. Or is it more about the embarrassment that you feel about? Like, I just don't know what to say. It doesn't feel authentic. Both. It doesn't feel like me. Yeah, both. It's I feel both. like it's not me. I feel like I'm just not comfortable doing it. But like I said, I know she wants the, the be, me to be more vocal. So I've done it in other ways than mm-hmm. dirty talk. And I hope that's been a compromise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, being vocal is a great first step. Because again, it doesn't have to be that you go to like just being absolutely filthy with each other. Like that's going to be fun too, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can be just being more open and more communicative with each other. For some people, we even tell them like a baby step is just make more noise, make more moans, like breathe louder if you feel really embarrassed about it. Well, that's how it did start actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. Like, okay. You're taking I, your baby steps. We're think, working towards it. <laughs> like b- before I started even talking or communicating during sex, like you wanted at least to hear something from me. You wanted a sound. Oh yeah. Like, okay. Are you alive? One tip that we could give you guys here is Danielle, like, could you come up with specific phrases that you think would be really hot to Ooh, hear? Oh, that's fun. Okay. Then, because then, Adam, you know that when you say that, you know she's going to like it. 
So that takes away some of the like the yeah. performance pressure of it because she's giving you something specific. So she's having to do some work too. It's not you just feeling like, oh, I'm in the moment and I've got to like do this thing for her. So you'll, she's got to do some of the work. You'll have specific phrases. You'll have stuff to fall back on in the moment. And you'll know, she, I mean, she gave this to me, so she's going to like it when I say it. Right. No, I don't know. I think it's just like not my thing. Like Danielle, she does it sometimes. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't love it. I don't not like it. Oh, you don't like, like it I'm when just, I say it. I mean, <laughs> oh damn, I'm done. No, it's not like. <laughs> but like, it just. It doesn't do it for me for whatever reason. Like, I just mm-hmm. like the dirty talk for me is just not a, you know. I'm not against yeah. it with Danielle. With you're getting really red. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we're all different people. We all have different likes yeah, and dislikes, you know? right. and that's okay. So it doesn't mean that like Danielle, that you are like not sexy or not doing a good job at it. Like he's just a different person and oh, has totally. you know different sense mm-hmm. of, yeah. of interests. But I think yeah, what you're saying, Adam, about like it being a compromise that we can find a way of meeting in the middle. You know, I I'm not hearing you at all. Like putting her down or making fun of her for being no, interested not at all. in this, which unfortunately is something that we hear about like a lot from yeah. couples. Oh, um, yeah. But I think there can be a way of saying like, yeah, you know, this doesn't turn me on as much as it turns you on, but I'm happy. Like I like turning you on and doing stuff for you. So I'm happy to yeah. kind of like meet in the middle sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. You talk about um, your journey with orgasm, Vanessa, openly and how it sort of led you to that business. Can you fill us in a little bit on that because I do think now thankfully like the whole orgasm conversation is opening up Mm -hmm. um and I think women are realizing finally like okay maybe I need to stop faking and start you know actually having some pleasure of my own oh yeah yeah wait wait, can I interrupt you for one second Mm -hmm. why do women fake it Oh gosh. So many reasons. Um, so I mean, I can speak from my own experience cause I faked orgasms for many years. I faked probably hundreds of orgasms. So for me, it was a lot of things. One, it was like, I wanted, I didn't want to acknowledge that I didn't know how to get there. It felt really embarrassing to me. I felt like I was broken. Something was wrong with me. So it felt easier to like, let me just fake that I can rather than having to acknowledge that I can't. But it also would really come into play, like with my partner, if it was, you know, dating somebody new at the beginning of a relationship, there was this sense of like, I want it to feel like there's good chemistry between the two of us. Like things are just clicking between the two of us. Um, I also didn't want to feel like I was too much work. Like, you know, for me, there was a lot of embarrassment that came up around. I don't know what to tell my partner to do. I don't really want to let my partner focus on me because that makes me feel so self-conscious and embarrassed about it. So it just felt easier, you know, in so many ways to just go the faking route rather than having to like face that uncomfortable, awkward, honest truth. And then once you start, it's hard to stop. But But to your first point, Mm -hmm. you were saying for yourself, kind of you were doing it just to know whether you were feeling bad about yourself if you could get there or not. Mm-hmm. So did you do it when you were by yourself? No. So my story is that I actually learned how to orgasm on my own. Um, I had a pretty like, you know, I had a little bit of a journey around it, but it was pretty straightforward for me. But once I started being sexually active, you know, with my boyfriends at the time, like I could not figure out how to get there with my boyfriend. Like I just, you know, I think like so many women was taught to believe that penetration and intercourse, like that should be the thing. That's what I see in movies. It seems to happen in about 30 seconds on TV. So I just felt like that's what I, is supposed to happen. And 
when I realized like, huh, it's not really happening. It's definitely like, I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to what I experienced on my own. It was really confusing. Um, and so for me, like there was this extra wrinkle with eventually, you know, I started pursuing this career in sex therapy and I'm like studying to be a sex therapist. I still have not figured it out. And I'm just feeling like this horrible fraud. Like, how can I be pursuing this career? And like, I can't even figure this out for myself. So that really, you know, really cemented those feelings of like something is so wrong with me, so broken inside of me, like I'm hopeless, it's never going to happen. Um, but it was really, yeah, it was a really difficult journey for me. And at the time, like even though I was studying this career, like I couldn't find any really specific resources about here's what to do, you know, here's how you have an orgasm with a partner. Um, and so once I eventually did figure it out after many years and a lot of trial and error, um, I realized like, you know, this was horrible that I had to go through this, but I'm also ecstatic that I'm on the other end of it. So I need to teach more women this. So, you know, I, I had known that I wanted to be a sex therapist, obviously before that, but that really cemented the like, this is what I got to do. Mm -hmm. So that was the first course that I created is finishing school, which teaches women how to orgasm. And I really wanted it to be everything that I didn't have in this process. So like very specific step-by-step -step tips and techniques mm -hmm. of like exactly how to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, you know, very vulnerable and hard to talk about that story sometimes, but I think a lot of times people hear like, oh, she's a sex therapist. She must have a perfect sex life. And that's why both of us, you know, like to be so open and honest about the fact that like, first of all, there is no such thing as a perfect sex <laughs> yeah. life, but we definitely don't have one. We have plenty of our own challenges and ups and downs and things that we've worked through and continue to work through. Cause we just really want to normalize this for people. Like we get that this can be a really challenging topic. And we also have experienced ways that like you can move through whatever blockages or fears might be coming up for you. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you finally had your first orgasm? Um, I was around 21, like it was right before meeting Xander. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was just like, was it, there was just one time when it just clicked. No, it took a very long period of like a lot of trial and error, but yeah, eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, I think I've, I've got it. And a lot of it really, you know, it wasn't that it was like this one oh, magic technique that I used, you know, a lot of it was really mindset stuff for me too. So I had to recognize like that it was okay for me to have needs in the bedroom. That was one of the main ones and recognizing like, you know, okay, it seems like intercourse really works for my partners, but like, it's okay if that's not the thing that works for me. Right. Um, and it's okay for me to like, take up time and space, you know, before I would let a partner like touch me for, you know, a minute, two minutes. And then it was like, okay, let's move along, you know, cause I was just so embarrassed to allow myself to receive in those moments. So, um, yeah, that, those were like these big mindset shifts that I had to make of recognizing I'm allowed to take up time. I'm allowed to take up space. I'm allowed to need something that's different from my partner. I'm allowed to like ask for what I want and communicate in the bedroom. So really like just allowing more of myself to show up in the bedroom instead of playing this role over and over again of, of faking all these orgasms. Right. Yeah. So by the time you, you were ready, you probably had learned so much that it made you an even better sex therapist than if you were just <laughs> easily able to have orgasms because you actually yourself could relate to what all these women were going through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's and the frustration. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get it. Believe yeah. me, I get it. Like, I still remember, you know, all those days of just feeling really broken and hopeless and frustrated. And so, yeah, so that's what makes it feel. I feel so passionate now about working with women and about teaching them. Cause I'm like, we can get you to the other side of promise. Yeah. Um, our friend Leah, she, um, and she's totally open about it. So she doesn't care if we say her name. Uh, she actually had the same thing where she, she was just, she had never, she felt like she never had good sex. She never, um, had really had an orgasm before. She just was like, she just felt like, I don't know, maybe I'm just never going to have. And so when she was 40, she went off on this, like what she called like, you know, a sex adventure. And she sort of went out into the world um, and, you know, was getting all these experiences. And she had her first orgasm ever at 40 during a tantric massage. Mm. So that was her first experience. So there's like all different ways to you know, to try to, to get there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had yeah. women who go through the course who are like in their seventies and eighties oh, who wow. had their first orgasms. Good and I just, them. it's so cool. I mean, it really, ne- it's never too late to learn. I think a lot of women feel like, yeah, it's too late for me. I missed the boat. I'm like you, it literally never is, is too late to learn. Right. Because that is also, is that a myth that women's like, they're just not as, you know, their sex sexual libido and everything just dies after a certain age yeah I mean our you know libidos for people of all genders like they can slow down you know with age for a lot of different reasons um but it's much less severe than I think a lot of us think you know I think a lot of us think like yeah you hit a certain age and it's just it's all gone and it really doesn't have to be at all yeah you can Mm. still be sexually active and satisfied and happy like well well into And, but like, you know, I, I couldn't sit for like half an hour at his house, be like, I'm going to read every page about masturbation. Cause that was not cool. So I like knew it existed, but like, didn't really know what to do. And I think I fumbled around for maybe six, eight, 12 months, not really knowing how to get there all the way. And, and, and I did it when I was probably 12 or so. Right. And then after that, then it was just like, you know, the floodgates yeah. were open. So exactly. <laughs> that's but my point. Like we're just such yeah. simple, like dumb guys. Like that's all. It's just well, that's such a simple not thing. even that. But but women's. I mean, the women's body is more complicated. That's my down point. There. I wasn't. I was being oh, honest oh, and okay. serious. It's not though. It's no? really not. Um, no, I mean a lot of the reason why women struggle to orgasm. It's not because our bodies are more complicated. It's because we don't have that experience. You know, so many like almost all men masturbate as young 
boys and they give themselves that time and that permission to kind of explore and figure it out. And so by the time they're adults or, you know, when they're having, uh, when they become sexually active, like they've had all this experience with understanding what their bodies like and respond to. And the vast majority of women just don't get that exposure or that experience. And plus the way that we have sex, it really emphasizes male pleasure, right. not female pleasure. Mm -hmm. So we like to make this kind of funny comparison sometimes, like we'd like to talk about the nerve ending aspect of it. So you know, um, when a woman is having intercourse, she's getting stimulation in her vagina and her vagina just doesn't have a lot of nerve endings. So intercourse for a woman, it's kind of the equivalent of if you were playing with a man's balls. So it like, that could be fun. It could be pleasurable, but I don't think you would you know, play with a man's balls and be wildly shocked if he couldn't orgasm from that. But that's exactly what we're doing with women when we're expecting them to orgasm from penetration. It's like, hey, I'm playing with this part of your body that doesn't have a ton of nerve endings. Why aren't you having an orgasm? Right. That makes hmm. so much sense. But we're, yeah, we're really taught to believe that like intercourse is the be all end all. Like a lot of us, when we say like have sex, we mean intercourse. We use those words interchangeably. Um, but it's just the reality is that that's not the activity that feels the most pleasurable for the vast majority of women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I wanted to talk also, you guys have been so open. We recently did a series about women um, and pregnancy loss and fertility and um we talked you know about uh one of my friends came on and talked about her experience um you know with her stillborn and everything and one thing I think that is so amazing and so brave of both of you is that you are so open on your Instagram and everything talking about your journey with you know deciding whether or not to expand your family mm -hmm. um and I don't know if it's something you're willing to talk about or not but um, I, you know, I, I do think it is amazing that you guys are out there to represent, you know, all the couples out there that, you know, we always say, are you going to start a family? Well, that's bullshit. You guys are a family. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's amazing that you are out there being vocal about it, because I do think there's a lot of judgment and shame still. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much for saying that. I mean, so yeah, the quick version of our story is that we both always assumed that we were going to be parents and like actively wanted to be parents. And we had these conversations before we got married to make sure we were on the same page. Yeah. We were super um, young. Like we were 22, 23 when we met. So yeah. early on, it was just like, yeah, like we want to have kids, but that's going to be later. Yeah, <laughs> much later. Um, so we just, yeah, we got married and we sort of said, we'll keep checking in about this and we'll see when the time feels right. And we kept checking in and kept checking in. And, you know, we were really waiting for that feeling of like, we want to have a baby. We want to have a kid that like active desire to do it. And it just didn't come. And so we haven't, you know, a hundred percent closed the door. We were mm -hmm. actually just asking each other the other day, like what percentage of you wants to have kids? We're both at 10%. So it's not a completely shut door. Um, but yeah, that, that experience of like actively and passionately wanting a child never came up for both of us. And we're really fortunate that we were both happened to be on the same page about that. Cause this could have been, you know, we might not be sitting here if, if one of us felt that feeling and the other one doesn't, you know, who, who knows? Yeah. But, who knows? Yeah. For us, like 
that's really what it comes down to is feeling like children deserve to be actively wanted. You know, every child deserves to have parents that can tell them like, I love you so much. Like I wanted so badly to bring you into the world. Um, and so, yeah, for us, it just feels like we don't feel right bringing another life into this world unless we're at that point. Um, so it's been, it's, yeah, it's been really vulnerable for us to share that with people. Cause there absolutely is a lot of judgment that gets put on, on couples who decide not to have kids. And it just creates this terrible tension with, you know, couples who are, um, you know, couples who do have kids, it feels like there's this weird tension. Um, I think people on both sides feel like, you know, the child-free couples feel like, oh, the parents judge us so much. And the parents feel like child-free couples judge us so much. And then you've got the couples who are struggling with infertility or just trying to get pregnant, like kind of in the middle, like what's going on here? Um, and we just think that that tension is, is really unnecessary and that it's, you know, that we can all support each other in making decisions that feel best for us. Like we are definitely not saying to anybody else, like having kids is a terrible decision yeah. don't do it like not at all we we both still love kids and um but I, yeah I think just being able to support everyone and say like you know make the decision that feels best for you that feels exactly. right for your life because I don't know what your life is and I can't tell you you know so um yeah it's just been a really interesting discussion for us to open up and to you know see what kinds of responses <laughs> come up plus we got to spend more time talking about sex and coming up with really like fun ways to help out couples who have kids and who don't have kids mm -hmm. with sex <laughs> right that's that's true um yeah no I think it's amazing and I think it probably is you know getting some conversations started with with between couples that probably maybe wouldn't have happened if you guys weren't as open about it because I think people are really nervous to even bring it up and act like that's something they think about. So um, I think that's really great. Yeah, um, it was actually really kind of scary at the beginning when I think each of us were starting to feel like, oh, hmm, like I know we said we wanted kids, but like we're starting to see our friends having kids and we're kind of putting ourselves in their shoes and being like, Oh, like how would it how would it feel to be in that situation? I think both of us were kind of feeling like, hmm, I'm I'm not sure I'm really feeling it. But I remember for maybe a year or so, I I was kind of scared because I was like, I'm not really feeling this, but I'm scared to ask Vanessa because I I don't want to scare her away if she's starting to want it. You know, it's like this kind of fear. I, I can understand it's like that fear of asking for what you want or saying something really vulnerable. And fortunately, we kind of both blurted it out to each other <laughs> at the same time. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Like we're, we're on the same page about this. But yeah, it, I mean, it's scary. It's, I would recommend it's something that people just keep checking in about. So you don't get into that situation of like not talking about it. And then like, you know, have, feeling like you have to make a decision that's just based on what the other person wants or something like that. Right. Well, everything you talk about is so brave. Have you ever tried to, because you guys met your videos are so in depth and, you know, and I mean, Instagram, first of all, is like, there's so many barriers now, especially with sex talk and everything. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. But um, have you ever made a video and are like, all right, too far. We can't share that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we have yet to. Uh, you know, no, that's not true. On Instagram, there have been a few times where we've recorded a story and then we give each other veto power. So we always say, you know, we recognize we're both being really vulnerable. We're talking about some intense stuff. And so there have been a few times where we've recorded something. And I think the other person has said, you know what, I, I don't want to share that right now. But honestly, I think that those <laughs> ones have been more about communication rather than sex. Like, I think there have been times where we've thought, okay, we got in a fight about something. Let's share like how we, you know, work through it or some of the stuck places that we got into. And then there have been times where it's felt like, that's just too raw right now. <laughs> like I, I need a little bit more time to process it before we can talk about it. Um, but in general, like we're pretty open about any sort of sex question. Mm -hmm. We just have one question that we won't answer, um, which oh. is how often do you guys have sex? <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's also, that makes sense though. I mean, there's all. Well, why? Of... What's your explanation? So our reasoning for that is that we think that people put way too much emphasis on the frequency of sex when the reality is that that's just one very small component of your sex life and frequency like really is not related to the level of satisfaction the quality of the sex that you're having the quality of the connection and the intimacy so we don't like to really talk about frequency like too we do talk about it because it's such a like you know interesting question for people but we don't ever give tips about you know couples need to be having sex with this amount of frequency or this is the healthy amount of sex to be having. Um, and we don't talk about it like from our personal, you know, like our personal number, because we think it's just, it's really easy to go into this comparison trap um, with, you know, other people feeling like, oh, well, if they're having sex X number of times, we have to be having sex X number of times or feeling bad about they're having way more sex than we do or feeling gloaty about like we have way more sex than they do. Mm -hmm. So it just feels like an unhelpful conversation to have. And we've actually even asked our audience about this a couple of times. We've said, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's something that we've held off from talking. How do you guys feel about it? And all, overwhelmingly, it's always like, yeah, I, I'm curious about it, but I actually don't really want to know. Yeah, it's like, I want to know, like, if you just tell me, that would be great. <laughs> but if I really think about it, I don't actually. I don't actually like, want to know. <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I don't really want to know. But the reality for us is that we've, you know, we've gone up and down in terms of our own frequency. Sure. And also up and down in terms of our own happiness or satisfaction with our sex life. And those two are those, you know, those ups and downs are not necessarily correlated. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think everybody has their ebbs and flows and, you know, depending on what, where you are in that, that's, you know, kind of determines also where you are in your relationship. If you're in a bad point in your relationship, yeah. then <laughs> nobody wants to have sex. Yeah, I think so. people get really fixated on this idea of a magic number because it's, yeah. it sounds simple, right? Like, they, don't they say like the average is one time a week, like 50 times yeah, a year no. or something? Isn't Numbers are easy. Say? We actually did a survey of our audience. We got um, over 12,000 people to respond and we looked at frequency and we found that there were actually three groups that had the exact same percentage and it was the top three numbers. And it was two to three times a month, once a week, and two to three times a week. So completely even split between those three categories. Yeah, so those were like continuous categories. So like anywhere from two to three times a month to two to three times a week, 75% of people fell into that range. And they all reported feeling happiness, like happy with it. So there was no, we didn't find any sort of correlation between like more frequency leads to greater satisfaction. Um, but ultimately like, 
yeah, it, it's easy to want to look at a number of like, okay, if we just have it two times a week, then we're good. Or one time a week, then we're all right. But it's just, there's so many other factors that go into our sex life that trying to force yourself into that just doesn't really work. We even saw this video um, a couple of months back of, it was like a doctor on TikTok who was saying every 48 hours you have to have sex. We're like, that's just so specific. Like at least say every two days for like 48 hours. It's like you're right. locked in. If you have sex at like, uh, you know, 11 PM, it always has to be 11 PM exactly every 48 hours. I don't know. That sounds stressful to me. That doesn't sound sounds like something I want to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That does sounds you know? stressful. Yeah, well, like when the doctor they're... tells you take a pill every six hours, you take it every six hours. You don't take it like three times a day at, you know, whenever you want. So right. eight hours. Like, this this I TikTok guess I gotta... doctor, he's not messing around. Well, I know there are some challenges out there. Like I've seen, um, there are some couples who write books and stuff who have like the sex once a day challenge that they have, they had sex once a day for a year and now they're trying to get other couples to do the same thing, that having sex once a day. I cannot even, I don't even know how we would do that. But, um, but I do know that there are challenges like that out there and couples write books about it and everything. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, we have a 30 day sex challenge, which I think is a lot more do a year is, is wild. That's like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was um, like a third. Yeah. It was like a d every day for a year Yeah, or maybe it was a month. But still, I mean, it's a big yeah. difference. I'm not a it's, huge fan of like forcing, forcing yourself to do yeah. that. And in our challenge, we also, we give different options for different activities every day. And it's not all just intercourse. I think it's so important for couples to realize that there's so much more to sex than just intercourse. There's mm -hmm. so many other ways that we can connect. And so, you know, even some of the challenges are like just having conversations. Some of them, you don't even have to take your clothes off. And so I think making the effort to prioritize intimacy in your relationship and have some sort of intimate connection with each other every day for 30 days feels doable. I don't know about like an entire year, but, um, you know, I think all couples could benefit from prioritizing intimacy more in their lives, but not like forcing yourself to do again. Like if we're talking about intercourse as not being the thing that's the most pleasurable for most women, like don't force yourself to do that every single day for a year. Right. And depending on where you are in your cycle and stuff, like sometimes you want it more than others and you're not feeling good and you're not, I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty like big responsibility to feel like you're going to be the one who's breaking the challenge if you can't have sex every day because you're not feeling great or, you know, yeah, you're never going to force your way into feeling desire for anything, but definitely not for sex. Like the instant that something feels like an obligation, it's very difficult to feel an active desire for it. Like I, I can't think yeah. of anything and anything in my life that I feel obligated to do that. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to do it. Tax time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so tell everybody where they can find you and everything. Yeah, well, we'd love to connect with any of your listeners. You guys have such a great community. So the best place to find us is on Instagram. Our handle is Vanessa Marin Therapy. And um, we have a ton of highlights that you can check out. We have a lot of free guides. Um, you can check out all of our courses. And like Xander was saying earlier, we do stories together every single day. So we really aim to give couples these like conversation starters. And, and like Xander was saying, you know, sometimes it's not even going to be something that applies to 
you, but it's still this way to get more comfortable and confident talking about sex. So definitely check out our stories, follow us and have your partner follow us too. So you guys can connect and come say hi in the DMs. We always like to say hi to people. Awesome. And website. Yeah. So then um, you can also find us at vmtherapy.com. And if you want to go straight to all the good stuff, it's vmtherapy.com slash free. And that will show, that will take you to all of our best free guides that you can download. Awesome. Cool. Well, you guys are great. Thanks yeah. for being so open and everything. And yeah, thank yeah. you so much for having us. Of course. Well, enjoy your nice weather in LA. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Thank you so much. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.